Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook. It's great to be together once more. The Names of Christ, Derek French, outlines another title given to Jesus. And our series on Ephesians continues with Ray Tibbs. Here on Serving Today, we begin with the occasional series on the Names of Christ. This is where our good friend Derek French takes one of the titles given to Jesus in the Bible and explains it more fully to us. These short talks will help us better understand the sheer wonder, breadth and magnitude of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today's talk is no exception. Here's Derek. The name for Jesus we're going to consider today is that he is the last Adam. This title is found in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45. Paul writes, So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. This great chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians deals with the glorious subject of the resurrection of the body. First, Christ's resurrection, and second, the believer's resurrection when Jesus returns. And the section of the passage where Christ is referred to as the last Adam is dealing with the nature of the resurrection body, which Paul teaches is quite different from the body we possess at this very moment it would be given new qualities that are quite breathtaking to consider. In the verse just prior to our verse, Paul has been using a farming or gardening illustration to illustrate his point. The seed that is sown is quite different to the plant that it produces. In a similar manner, that is how it will be with the believer's body on the day of resurrection. This is how Paul describes it from verse 42 onwards, and he uses the term sown to speak of the burial of the body when we die. This is what he writes. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The change will be quite remarkable, and our bodies will be attractive beyond anything we can imagine right now. We will have a glorious body, in fact, just like Jesus' body is now. See Philippians 3 and verse 21. Something important to understand is that when Paul speaks of a spiritual body, he does not mean a non-material body, but a body that is radically different to how it is now, because it will be imperishable and powerful, never to be subject to death and decay again. That is, a body fit to live eternally with God, a body animated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So while there is continuity, it will be our body. In the resurrection, it will also enjoy the most remarkable change. As Paul continues, his next statement is the one where he refers to Jesus as the last Adam. Let me read it again. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He's drawing the contrast between the natural body that we all have as descendants of Adam and the spiritual body that we will receive when the last Adam, Jesus, returns. He refers to Genesis 2 verse 7, the creation of the first Adam, which says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
and the man became a living being. Because we are descendants of Adam, like him, we have received a natural body that is subject to pain and weakness and death because of sin. The wages of sin is death. But by sharp and wonderful contrast, all who belong to Christ, who is the last Adam, who became a life-giving spirit, will through his death and resurrection be given a spiritual body when he comes again. That is, a physical body, but imperishable, without any corruption, adapted to live with the Lord forever. Just like Christ's resurrection body could be touched, and people saw him eat, and he was recognised, but was nonetheless different, and never to be subject to death again, having triumphed over it. So will the body of the believer be transformed at the Lord's return on the day of resurrection. Just as the first Adam was the representative of the entire human race, so Christ, the last Adam, is the representative of all believers, those whom the Father had given him, according to John 17 verse 9. In other words, as the last Adam, Jesus will lead his people to that glory which the first Adam failed to do. What comfort this truth brings to all who truly follow Christ. Death is most definitely not the end, because Christ has achieved for us a glorious inheritance, where in our new transformed spiritual bodies we will dwell with Christ forever in the new heavens and the new earth, where death and all the misery and tragedy associated with it will never trouble us again. John in the book of Revelation described how glorious things will be. Revelation 21 verse 3 and 4 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. How blessed to belong to the last Adam, our Saviour and Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're listening to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. We continue now with our series on the New Testament book of Ephesians. We're getting the help of Ray Tibbs and we're delighted to have him with us again. In our previous programme, we began looking at the first few verses of chapter 4 of Ephesians. And Ray is now going to tell us which verses we're focusing on this time. We're going to be looking at chapter 4, verses 4 through to 6, in which we see that Paul outlines a sevenfold cord of unity. He's continuing the theme of the church and its unity, and he's referring to seven spiritual realities which bind believers together. So verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Ray, take us through these. First of all, one body. This refers to the church, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. That reference applies to the whole church across space and time. It is the full and true church made up of all the elect from the very beginning and so transcends all barriers. Other references identify the church within 
clearly defined small areas, such as a city, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. But when a larger area is identified, such as a region, the term is used in the plural, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 2. Next, there is one spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit marks out the church from the rest of the world around. He brings Christ to the church and separates genuine believers from those who are merely interested and may attend services. His activity brings spiritual life to Christians and shapes their life after that. The same divine power is active in everyone, but everyone receives different gifts and graces from him. Then there is one hope. The same Spirit gives true believers a sure and certain expectation of a resurrection to eternal life in the immediate presence of God. Although that same hope is shared by all, each individual will receive a unique and specific inheritance which has been prepared for them exclusively by Christ. Colossians 1 verse 27, Titus 1 verse 2 and 1 John chapter 3 verses 2 and 3. Paul lists further spiritual realities in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Could you explain these for us, please, Ray? First of all, here, one Lord. There is only one, Jesus Christ. And he is Lord of all, heaven and earth, the church and the world. Acts 10, 36, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. Revelation 17, verse 14, and Revelation 19, verse 16. He is the supreme authority to whom everyone is answerable. He holds that position by virtue of who he is, the Son of God, and what he has accomplished, salvation for sinners. Then there is one faith. This term does not refer to the general body of belief, which is shared by all true Christians. It refers to the more personal element of trusting belief. Although Christians are very different from each other, they all have their trust in Christ as their saviour in common. It's referred to in this letter in chapter 2 at verse 8, in chapter 3 at verse 12, and in verse 17. But there's also one baptism. This refers to water baptism rather than to a baptism of the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit has already been mentioned in this list. The ordinance represents the initiation of the believer into the Christian faith. It is a public demonstration of a personal faith in Christ. It is not the form of baptism that is in view, but the symbolism. Ray, what do you mean by the form of baptism there? Yes, it's 
the way we baptize is not what is in view in this passage. It is the significance of the general act of baptism that Paul is referring to. Right, thank you. Then the list of seven spiritual realities ends fittingly in verse 6. One God and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Yes, one God. God is responsible for the previous six realities. They are all part of his sovereign plan. And through them, he continues to exercise his involvement in the lives of his children. He is their father, both by creation and recreation. And so while having general relationship to everyone, he has a real intimacy with those who are his own. Now, thanks again to Ray Tibbs for explaining those verses from Ephesians chapter 4. Well, that's just about all we have time for here on Serving Today. If you'd like to contact us, the details on how to do that follow in just a few moments. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May God enable each one of us in our service for Christ. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp, the number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.